This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you made it out on a Wednesday. I'm sure you're just as thankful as I am that it's still warm. It's not that freezing anymore, so praise the Lord. Now, let me just highlight something with what Shelley said there on the marriage retreat. Again, you got to plan for those things right now, and Sammy and Janessa are down here at the front. They got married a year ago in February, and uh, he said to me one day, he said, just recently, he said, we've, we've purposed in our heart that this is our anniversary gift to each other every year. So they make plans to go. And so I turned around and looked at him a minute ago and said, you've made plans already? And he's like, yeah, there it is right there. He's doing it. So again, we highlight that. Go ahead and make plans. February of 2022 will be here pretty quick. All right. If you've got a Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to give you an opportunity to obey the Bible and bring your, your tithes and your offerings in the storehouse. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, as you're turning there. I, I want to personally really, really encourage you to make a huge effort to be here on Sunday. We're going to start on the Holy Spirit, and it is going to be outstanding. I promise you, just the Word of God will come alive to you, and I believe it will stir you up in this area, give you some uh, biblical and roots to hang on to in this. All right, Matthew 6, verse 24. And if you'll note, this is the Lord Jesus, and he says, No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Now, to help you with that statement right there, you're not an exception, okay? Sometimes we have the thought, well, I I can do what I want regardless of what the Word of God says because I'm the exception to every rule. No, not according to what the Lord Jesus says here. He says, no one can serve two masters for either will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, you may really, really want to gaze at that statement. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so Jesus talks about here the problem with mammon, which is wealth or riches, is that we become mastered by by mammon. And mammon, to a degree, is like a false god. Mammon wants you to serve it instead of God. Literally stated, mammon wants to take the place in your life that God is supposed to. And so when you get over here right now, and when he talks about, man, mammon will become where you're its servant. And so part of what the Lord Jesus tells us right here in Matthew 6, 24, is you've got to get your finances in order to walk in the blessings of the kingdom of God. Now, later on in this same chapter, he says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. God's not against you having things as long as he's first. And so, don't don't let money, don't let money become your master. It's interesting, Jesus would warn us on this. He wouldn't tell us this if it wasn't a strong possibility. Let's pray. Father God, we love you today. We honor you. Lord, we thank you that even on the area of finances, you you instruct us on the way the kingdom operates, and we thank you for your word in these areas. Lord, I pray your blessings tonight on all the tithers that you said in Malachi 3.10 that you would open the windows of heaven. 
pour out blessing that there would not be room enough for us to receive. You'd rebuke the devourer, forsaken the fruit of our ground shall not return barren. Lord, I thank you for those promises that still stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are on another Wednesday night on the area of faith. If you brought your Bible or if you're watching by live stream, if what you're buying, you got your phone, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, there's a lot of areas within the Bible that are really being neglected. And I believe this is one of the greatest areas that the church has neglected is we haven't taught people biblical faith. And the reason I highlight that is Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so I, I really, really encourage you to get a hold of this. Be, begin to feed your faith and starve your doubts and watch what God will do. So again, we're turning to 1 Timothy 6. As you're turning there, Romans 1, 17 says, the just shall live by faith. And so when he says the just shall live by faith, that comes to a place where I've got to fully uh, uh, trust the Lord with every area of my life. The just shall live by faith. So when I begin to learn to trust my heavenly father through his word, then I'll really live. That's how I really live. And so if, if your faith is impotent, I believe tonight that it's going to become explosive through the word of God. So Jump in here with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, those are really, really interesting words. Fight the good fight of faith. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be ferocious, demanding. But isn't it interesting that he says here, and I'm talking about the Apostle Paul, it's a good fight. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, weigh these words very carefully. And so I believe to a degree he's saying, you're going to have to contend for the gospel. It's, it's not just going to be this easy road. You're going to have to actually fight. Fight the good fight of faith. And he goes on to say, and which you were also called... And have confessed the good confession or the, the good confession of faith. And the good confession of faith is when you speak with your mouth that the Lord Jesus is Lord of my life. You ask Jesus to come into, remember Romans 10, 9 and 10, that you, you confess with the mouth and you believe with your heart. And so again, the way you get born again, it, it has to do with my mouth and my heart. But every aspect of the kingdom of God, it functions the same way. And he says at the end of this verse, the good confession of faith, in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of many witnesses. You know, in uh, Romans 10, verses 32 and 33, the Lord Jesus said this. He said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father." But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Now, I believe when he talks about in the presence of all these witnesses, throughout your life, this journey on earth, how many people are you going to be around? You're going to be around people every day. 
And so what he's saying is, let this confession of faith be witness to every person you're around day after day. In other words, I'm not ashamed to tell people, Jesus is Lord of my life. And it becomes part of my witness that I begin to say, this is what he did for me. And, and I believe part of the good fight of faith was where you say, you know what, I'm not moved by what people think. This is who I am because of Christ Jesus. So when we look at this right here, you're going to have to confess the Lord Jesus. Don't, don't deny or don't live with this secret discipleship. You know, if you went to work and... and, and People found out you were a Christian, would they be shocked? I didn't know you were a Christian. Yeah, I've been a Christian for a long time. So again, fight the good fight of faith. Now, with that thought, go way back into the Old Testament, to the first part of the Old Testament, at the book of Joshua. Joshua, you'll go through, oh my goodness, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then you'll start getting pretty close right there. Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to be in Joshua 1, and then we're going to jump to Joshua 6. Now, if you're a good note taker, if you're a good thinker, if you like to dissect the word of God, this is going to help you tonight, okay? So, to set the table a little bit, when you come into the book of Joshua, Joshua was Moses' assistant. Joshua was one of the ones who was the original Israelites. He was the first generation of the Israelites that were supposed to go to the promised land. Joshua and his buddy named Caleb, they were one of two of the original Israelites that ultimately got to go in the promised land. Now, most estimate there was like a million people, but there were only two of them that got to go in there. Now, they didn't get to go in there, Joshua and Caleb, because they were raffled out in a lottery. It wasn't just handed to those two. There is specific purpose and reason why you see those two got to go into the, the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going I'm to let the word of God really begin to speak to you tonight. And I, I believe this is going to stir up your faith. Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm given to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, what you see in this is God specifically said, you go to the land that I gave you. And never where your foot treads, that's your land. So what you begin to see here in the verse, first five verses is God never has changed his mind. God's intention was for the Israelites, 40 years plus, was to go to the promised land, but they never did. So again, I highlight, God said to him, I want you to go to the land that I'm giving you. 
Verse 6. Be strong and a good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Now, when I read the strong, that's to be valiant. That's to be firm. And to be courage is really courageous. So here's the thought rose up with me when I read that, because he says that to him four times, be strong and of good courage. If God had already promised him that the promised land was his, then why was he going to have to be strong and a good courage? The answer to that goes all the way back to verse 2. And the Lord said to him, arise and go. Two verbs. You're going to have to arise and you're going to have to go. So guess what he's saying with those two verbs? I'm giving it to you, but you're the one that's going to have to possess it. You're going to have to go in and trust me and live by faith when you go in and do this. So he says, be strong and a good courage. For to this people you shall divide as the inheritance the lands which I swore to your fathers to give them. So again, he highlights the word of God in this area one more time. Over and over and over and over. You're going to have to stand. You're going to have to live by the word. You're going to have to trust me. And when I read verse 6 there, don't deviate from the word of God. Don't get off from the word of God. Now, how do I know this? Now, watch verse 7. Only be very strong or be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it the word of God to the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. So, them moving into the promised land would hinge on not only how well they knew the word of God, but how well they obeyed the word of God. Now, isn't it interesting that God saying to him, I gave you all this land as inheritance, but he said, you've got to live by the word of God. You can't let go of the word of God ever, over and over and over was what he's getting to. Verse 8. Pay real close attention to this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You got to get the word of God in your mouth. You got to speak the word of God. How long? The rest of your life. Day by day by day by day. Speak the word. Then he says, meditate on the word. Recite it. Day and night. Think about it. Ponder it. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Now, he highlights this to Joshua, and I believe he's telling him, I blessed you with this promised land living, but you're going to have to stay with the word of God day by day. And so I begin to speak it, and the more I begin to speak it, the more I begin to think about it, and the more I begin to think about it, it leads me to actually, I obey the word, I do the word. Remember James said in James 1, he said, be a, and not just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word also. Now, pay real, real close attention to the end of verse 8 here. For then, for then, 
For after you've been strong and you've been good courage and after then, after you've spoke the word, after you've meditated on the word, after you've done the word, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Note something in that. For then you, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So you know what God said? He said, I, I, I want to bless you. I, I've got an inheritance for you. But the, the deciding factor, whether you walk in it or not, it's up to you. Now, if I ask for a show of hands tonight, how many of you would like to walk in the end of verse 8 in prosperity and good success? Man, we would all raise our hands. We'd probably raise both our hands. But isn't it interesting, the prosperity and good success that he was talking about doesn't come from earthly powers. It doesn't come from your personal contacts. It doesn't come from where you were born. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. The only thing that mattered was how well I, I deal with the word of God in my heart, my mouth, my thoughts. And he said, I want you to prosper. I want you to be good success. So you know what I see here? I've got to be committed to the word of God. God's standard is faith and obedience. And when I walk in faith and obedience, that's prosperity and good success. But if I get over and I live in doubt and unbelief, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in disobedience and it's not going to be good in my life. So he's laid the blueprint to Joshua. Verse, or chapter 6. Turn with me a couple pages. Now we're going through time real quick. Joshua 6. Again, you know what you begin to see, even on the area of fighting the good, fight of faith? I must contend for the faith. I can't compromise my faith. I'm going to have to contend with it, okay? Chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Now the reason I highlight this, when they crossed the Jordan River, the first place that they go to was this place called Jericho. Jericho is one of the oldest cities in the world. When I was in Israel two years ago, I, I went into Jericho. But when I see this, that it was securely shut up, when you study about Jericho, the walls of the city were 25 foot high. And it says that in most places, the thickness of the wall was 20 foot thick. Now, if you were to study a woman in the, in, in the book of Joshua named Rahab the harlot, she, she made her home in the side of the wall. Well, if it's 20 foot thick, that's why. So that the wall is 20 foot thick, 25 foot high, and, and it had places where the soldiers would walk back and forth. And they could look down, they could look for miles and see if anybody was coming. So literally, it, it was a place of power. 
It, it was a military stronghold is what this was. And, and most people thought Jericho was invincible. You can't get into Jericho. Well, except if you have a God who's already promised you that land. And then everything changes real quick. Verse 2. So the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its kingdom, and the mighty men of valor. Now, when I see the word see right there, you know what I believe he was doing? He said, I, I want you to see with the eye of faith. I, I want you to begin to get a picture in your mind about what I'm getting ready to give you. And you know what? Every one of us in this room, we've had pictures in our minds through the eyes of faith. I mean, some of you have dreamed about certain types of cars. You've never been in that car. But you've seen yourself in that car. Smiling with the window rolled down and the convertible top. And, you see, and so what he's doing, he's, he's putting a picture in, Jericho, uh, in uh, Joshua's mind. See, I've given Jericho in your hand its kingdom and the mighty men of valor. So when he says, I've given that to you, does that mean, oh, oh Joshua, all you got to do is go lay by the pool? Sunbath, go down by the Dead Sea and play in the mud a few days? No, it's not what it meant. Verse 3, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This shall you shall do six days. Now, when he says this to Joshua, I wonder if Joshua was like, hmm, this is peculiar. Verse 4. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the, the priests shall blow the trumpet. Now, I wonder if Joshua said, now, wait, 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 just a minute, Lord. Let, let me get this right. For six days we're going to march around the city one time, and, and then on the seventh day we're going to march around the city seven times? W wouldn't you think this is kind of a... Strange military strategy. But something happens when I obey the word of God. Verse 5. And it came to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. So guess what God's telling him? This is what's going to happen. God tells him. If you'll obey me, this is what's going to happen. Now, here's the problem with Joshua. He's probably scratching his head and thinking, now, I get to go tell these geniuses what we're supposed to do. Do you think they're going to buy into it? So Joshua's big thing is convincing the rest of the Israelites what it actually looks like to live by faith to say, we're going to trust God no matter how crazy it looks. Verse 7. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him as armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went up before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. Now, this was God's unconventional strategy. 
which included waiting, walking, and not talking. Now, this was a very peculiar mark that marks that day after day with no apparent result. And you can think about this. Six days, they did what he said. Seventh day, they would do You know what this was? This was a test of their obedience and their trust in God. So note something here. Joshua commanded them, saying, You shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth. Why did Joshua do that? Because it literally means he was going to silence their unbelief. The reason he was doing this, that in the wilderness 40 years before, the reason they didn't get a go in was a result of their murmuring and unbelief. They murmured and they spoke unbelief over and over. So Joshua learned the lesson of history. Now here's the nugget for me and you. Are it? Go ahead and answer that and tell them the pastor said hi. When facing great challenges, do you allow your lips to speak doubt and unbelief? Let me ask you that right now. Because my words have the ability to set free and my words have the ability to bind. And so guess what? When you train your mouth to only speak the word of God, you become inclined more and more to obey God. Isn't it interesting? He commanded him. You know what I get off of that verse when he says, not a word? You know what I think he said to him? Shut up. Don't say a word. Mama used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. But he said, keep quiet. Don't say anything. Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around at once. They came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Joshua rose early in the morning. The priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually, blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. I don't know if you realize or this. That was a miracle. That was a miracle for almost a million people to do that. And no one opened their mouth. I don't know how many of us are in this sanctuary tonight. But if we were to walk around the auditorium six times. I don't know that any of us couldn't keep our mouth shut. And so that was literally a miracle. And so they're obeying the word of God. They're hearing what it says. And he goes on to say here, verse 15, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets and Joshua said to people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Look at verse 20 and 21. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened as the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat down. The people went up to the city, every man straight before him and took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man, woman, young and old, ox, sheep, donkey, with the edge of the sword. 
it pays to obey God. Something happens when we obey God fully, when we trust God fully. And remember, I, I can't just open my mouth. And we go back to Joshua 1.8 where he said, you got to speak the word out of your mouth. Now, real quickly, go back to your left to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers 13. And this is the passage where God had told Moses, I'm going to give you the promised land. What I want you to see here is it becomes very clear when you compare what happened with Joshua to what happened to Moses. Numbers 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out to the land of Canaan. Now listen real close. Which I am giving to the children of Israel. Now what did he say? He said, I'm giving it to the children of Israel. So he sends the 12 spies. Well, two of those 12, one was Joshua and one was Caleb. But remember what the Lord said here to the land that I'm going to give you. The Lord had already promised them. So those 12, they go up to spy out the land. And remember, all 12 of them saw the exact same things. But 10 of them said we can't, and two of them said we can. And the 10 that said we can't, they told the people, the land is, is a land that is strong, and the land is a land that's large, and the land is a land of, of the tribe or the descendants of Anak, which were the giants. So with the 10 who said we can't, they begin to paint a picture in their mind by the words they spoke. And so when they said, the land is large, the people heard that. And started painting a picture in their mind. And it's strong. And then when they mentioned the name Anik, the giants, that was it. We're done. See, it's very important. I don't go by popular opinion. I go by the word of God. Same chapter, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able. We have the capacity to prevail. So out of his mouth, he speaks faith. He says, we're well able. Come on, we can do this. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, now look at the power of words. And when they say this, the power of not just words, but the power of words that are spoken doubt and unbelief. They said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report, the land which they had spied out, saying, the land which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. So by their words, man, it suffocated their faith. And because of their words, it overrode what God, God said, I'm going to give you that land. Verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, and they came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. 
So what I begin to see in this right here is faith doesn't deny the reality of things or the difficulty, but it just declares the greatness of God right there in the face, the, the goodness of God to face the problem. And so what happens right here is it says they were given a bad report. Do you know every one of us in this room we give a report. And my report is either a bad report of faith, I mean of, of doubt and unbelief, or my report's a good report. Where I start saying about myself the very things that God's word said about me. But every one of us in here are going to give a, fa a, 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 a report. Be careful, be careful little tongue what you say be careful the pictures you allow to take place in your heart be careful and so I challenge you to get to a place in your life where you say I'm going to follow the steps of Joshua and Caleb when I see the word of God I'm going to hang on to the word of God I'm going to believe the word I'm, I'm going to trust that God will do everything that he says regardless of what it looks like in the natural. Why don't you stand up here with me? Ooh, these are powerful passages of scriptures right here. Don't allow the words out of your mouth to create fear or doubt and unbelief. Be careful what you speak in your home. You know, I could stand up right now and I could begin to speak doubt and unbelief and I could paint a picture in every one of your minds just with the words of our mouth. Or I could paint a picture in your heart just with the words of a mouth about how great my God is. My God is the God who told Joshua, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. See, don't short circuit the inheritance that God wants to bless you with by the words out of your mouth. When I find out here in the word of God, man, I, I got to get like, like Caleb and Joshua. Okay. God did it. God said it. God said it. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. Why don't you bow your head here with me real quick. Father God, we stand before you again tonight. And Lord, we pray a, a touch of heaven upon every one of us. Grace us right now to fight the good fight. To contend, Lord, that, Lord, you put your word in us. And, Lord, I, I pray over every one of us in this room, Joshua 1.8, grace us to speak the word, grace us to meditate on your word, grace us to do your word. And, Father God, I highlight you said, then you'll make your way prosperous and that you'll have good success. So, Lord, right now we ask you to do a work within us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.